Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy. And once again, we want to welcome all our listeners, all our um, uh, all our friends that are tuning in from wherever you're tuning in, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, we are so grateful that uh, we can come together and study the Word of God. This is what it's all about. This is why these podcasts are coming. It is to to be able to find answers in the Word of God. Those of you who have been following us, this is now our new series that we have named, titled "What's Next." And, uh, and within this title, within within this series, uh, God is, is is speaking to us. We are now in our fourth podcast, uh, which we started on Monday of this week, and uh, we're excited of the things that God is showing us. So we want to just jump in right into the Word of God and give all the time that we can to study the Word of God. And it is a always a pleasure to be here with the panel, with Brother Fernando, or Brother Marty. It's always a, a joy to open up the Word with you men of God. And, and we are excited about what God uh, is going to show us today. So, Brother Marty, we're excited to get into the Word of God. Yesterday we had a tremendous study on the person of the Holy Spirit which I believe the Lord allowed us to go into. And, and I know there's more that's going to unfold today in this study, and I'll leave it with you, Brother Marty. Well, praise God. It's good to be back again. Um, this is beginning to be a a habit, <laughs> coming together and, and seeking the Lord. But really, that's how it's supposed to be, like you said. And uh, I'm really excited and grateful because, you know, we know that these broadcasts and these podcasts are going out uh, really all over the country. And and even on Sunday, we had someone uh, uh, tune in when we did our, 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 uh, our live feed Sunday service. We had uh, someone tune in all the way from Scotland. And we had oh, one wow. from Belgium, right? You know, so it was, I was just, I was amazed at what the Spirit of God did, you know, and bringing people from that far uh, into the little living room where we were at. And uh, it's such a blessing. And so, you know, like you said, yesterday we had a really good discussion on the Spirit of God, and, and we had intended to teach on something else, but we put that on the back burner for right now. As the Spirit of God took us in that direction, and the Lord took us in that direction, and we began to discuss the Holy Spirit, the working of the Spirit, and uh, and the mission and the purpose of the Spirit. We talked about His attributes, and we talked about the Lord Jesus Himself um, revealing attributes of the Spirit when when we when we see him, uh, when John sees him in, in the book of Revelation chapter 5, right, and he sees him as a lamb that was, past tense, slain and is alive, uh, re- referencing the resurrection, right? And then he says, to look at the lamb, he saw him, he had seven horns, and seven is the number of perfection, and and the horns represent authority, uh, which is the the Father, really. So, you know, he has the Lamb embodies all three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as the Lamb resurrected with seven horns, perfect authority. And then it says something really interesting there, and he had seven eyes, uh, which is also perfect uh, vision, so to speak, uh, and, and complete uh, perfection in his ability to see. But then he goes on to say that the seven eyes are the seven spirits uh, that are before the throne of God. And we talked about that not meaning that the Holy Spirit is seven different things, but that the Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one and the same. But when when His Spirit manifests, 
uh, it's manifested as seven spirits or seven divine attributes, if you will, seven uh, qualities of his personality that manifest. And then we went over to talk about how Paul kind of references a couple of them, right? When he says, after you got saved, you were sealed with the spirit. And then he says that since he heard that they got saved, he began to pray that they would be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there he right. reveals two two attributes of the Holy Spirit, right? Wisdom and revelation. And so as we discussed the Spirit, we also talked about how he was referenced to be the 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 the, the one who frames the church, right? We talked about how Jesus said that he was he was going to go away and that he was going to pray to the Father and that the Father would send the Spirit to us, and that the the uh, the primary purpose of the Spirit. And the exclusive purpose of the Spirit is a better way to say it, is that he would reveal Christ to us, that he would reveal him to us. He's also described as the spirit of what? Prophecy, right? So that it yeah, says that yeah. the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so the exclusive, or not exclusive, but the the main focus and the, yes, and the exclusive focus of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the Lord Jesus to us. And we see that in what Paul said, which is what we were discussing yesterday, right? When he said, <clears throat> "I pray that you would receive the spirit and rev- uh, uh, the spirit of wisdom, and the spirit of revelation," he said, <clears throat> "in the knowledge of Him, right? For the for understanding Him uh, with wisdom and revelation, in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ." And then in another place, right? I believe it's in Philippians where he says, um, "I would that you would be filled with uh, the knowledge of His will." Uh, in all wisdom and what spiritual understanding, right? So there's another attribute, uh, uh, understanding. So as we begin to to look at these things, and as Jesus said, he's also sent to be a comforter and that he was meant to lead us, to guide us into all the truth and to reveal to us the things that are yet to come or yet to be. So these and many other qualities and characteristics are aspects of the Holy Spirit that we feel, and I think God is saying, you know, you're going to need to to understand how to relate to the Holy Spirit. John told us that the Spirit of God was given specifically to instruct us. And as a matter of fact, he said, you really don't have any need that any man teach you. Because in his day, there were a bunch of guys coming around saying that the church needed to hear from them because they carried a special quality and anointing that only they had. And John addresses that by saying, no, don't 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 even let them come around you saying that. We have a bunch of preachers like that today, but we won't go there. But the truth of the matter is, is he says, the truth is, is that every single individual within the church of Jesus Christ has the Spirit of God within them, and that the Spirit of God that has been sent to us from the Father at the request of the Son has been sent to us specifically to instruct us, to lead us, to guide us into all the things that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. To, to magnify him to and to reveal him to us, who he really, really is. And, of course, we know that he is the, the, the only begotten son of, of, the living, of the living God. And so as we began to, to look at all these things, we also saw that, that the church has been built up as a habitation of God through the Spirit. And he talked about that there were things that were not known to the sons of men but were made plain to the apostles and the holy prophets. How? by the spirit and so these are all components of of our development 
and our growth in the things of God. And without the Holy Spirit, really, you have no light. And, and, and we talked about the manna that came from heaven, right? That it was a type of, of the word of God, which is the Lord Jesus, because he said he was that manna that came from heaven. And when you go and, and look at the manna in the book of Exodus, you'll see something really unique happen. When the manna would fall from heaven to the ground, then it says that the dew of, of the morning would fall upon it on the manna. It, those are little droplets of water, right? And, and that those droplets of water represent the spirit of God. So the manna and the droplets or the dew were were combined, telling us that you can't simply eat manna without the dew. Or in other words, you can't just approach the word of God without the spirit. So the spirit is a vital and 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 necessary and and important uh uh you know a thing that we have to understand why he's been given to us and and what his purpose is in our life. If we understand those things, along with many others, of course, um, then we will uh, we will begin to grow in our relationship with God and in our understanding of the Scripture, because it's the Spirit that gives light upon the Word. Jesus even said that, right? He said, my words are what? They are Spirit and life, right? So they're one and the same. And, and, and the Lord said, you can't even come to me. You can't even approach knowing me except the Father draws you. And how is it that we're drawn? We're drawn by the Spirit. And then yesterday, Brother Jeremy pointed out that good scripture there. I think it's in, I think it's First Corinthians chapter two. You, you quoted where, where it said that eye has not seen, ear has yes. not heard, and neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for him. But God has revealed them, He said, by yes. His Spirit. Right. So literally, what He was saying there was, you cannot understand God by the natural. Eyes, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for him. You cannot understand him by way of natural means. It is only revealed by his spirit. And that's why Jesus told the disciples on the last Passover that he shared with them before he went to heaven, before he went to the cross, the resurrection, then to heaven was, he said, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And he will teach you. He will guide you. He will reprove, correct you. And he will counsel you in the path that you are to go. And so it was in that, you know, that brief review that we just gave right there that I began to sense the Spirit of God this morning say, okay, uh, with all that said, now let's go back and realize and, and consider that the and understand that the work of the Holy Spirit is from the beginning of Genesis all the way through Revelation. And that if we begin to right. understand what he does and how he do, does it and what he's doing, we'll begin to understand the work of the Spirit and what's actually happening. And so what I think is next, as we've titled this series, and I believe the Lord is revealing, is that, is that we, what is next is a greater revelation of Christ within the church, but that that cannot come unless we have the working of the Spirit and we will not understand that unless we see the mission, the operation, and the moving of the Spirit in all things. And so that brings us today to what we want to talk about, which is the work of the Spirit, or understanding the work of the Spirit. And to understand that, we need to go back and see some pretty, pretty profound things. And you're going to hear some things today that you quite possibly have never heard before, not because it's not in the Word. It's always been there. It's just 
it's just not something that has been brought out as as I think that it, it should be. And so we're going to go all the way back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to begin right there. And we're going to, I, I encourage you to get your Bibles out. If you have a Strong's Concordance or an app where you can click on, on the Hebrew words, you're going to see something pretty incredible, I think, from what God is saying there. And in order to understand the work of the Spirit, we must first see where does the Spirit first appear, right? Many times in the church today, <clears throat> especially in Pentecostal circles, they talk about the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost, but that's not true. The Holy Spirit right. actually came, right, on the very first day of creation. <laughs> that's when he right. first came. <clears throat> and so let's get right. into that. And we ask God's grace to do so. Because I think what you're going to see in this is an incredible thing. Because, again, remember that the Spirit has been given specifically to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's true, and it is, because that's what the Lord said, then we should see right at the beginning where the Spirit of God is a reflection of Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to see today, I believe, unveiled by the Spirit, it is His working, is you will see the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached from the very first five verses of the Bible. Now let's take a look. Are you guys there? Yes, we are. Yes. Genesis Genesis chapter 1, it says, <clears throat> let's just read the first verse. It says, in the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. And then verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And here he is. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. Now let's just look at that for a moment. And, 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 and like I said, just listen. If you get a little lost, pause, go back and listen to what we're saying here and what God is actually revealing in his word. And in order to do that, we need to break down the words into their original meaning. And that doesn't mean that we're Hebrew scholars or anything. Anyone can do this. Get yourself a Strong's Concordance or, an, or a Bible app where you can actually click on the word and it'll reveal to you what the word says. But something really cool is revealed here in verse one in the in the phrase in in the beginning in the beginning actually in the hebrew is is barashis elohim or in the beginning elohim bara god created now listen the word beginning is the word rashis and that word literally means uh the first fruit or the first in order or rank and so what, what is actually being stated right when the Bible opens is that God did something at first. It was first fruits to him. Remember, the first thing that's ever born out of the mother's womb in the Levitical law, it was said, is holy unto the Lord, right? The firstborn yes. is holy unto the Lord. And so what's being revealed here is the very act of creation, the rashith, the beginning, uh, and, and and the creation uh, was actually holy unto the Lord. And so it establishes a fact to begin with, that the heaven and the earth are God's. They belong to him. And so when you when you read in the Psalms and in the other scriptures, scriptures like the earth is the Lord's, right, mm -hmm. and the fullness thereof, now we begin to get a little insight into the depth of what is being proclaimed there. Because even when he talks to the children of Israel and he begins to relate to them, 
he says that the firstborn belongs to him. We see a symbol of that even in our tithes and offerings, right? It's the first part that belongs to God. The tithe, the 10%, it's, it's, it's the first part of our earnings that go to God. It's holy unto the Lord. The firstborn is holy unto the Lord. Jesus is called the first fruit. He belongs to God. He is the, he's the tithe almost. Uh, I heard one preacher say, which I, I kind of like it in a way, but it's much more than that. But he is that separated, holy uh, person to God. He's the first fruit. Even the Bible describes him like that, right? The first fruits. He's the beginning of the creation of God. And so <clears throat> when we read to begin with, in the beginning, Rashith is the first fruit or the first in order, rank, and place. And so what's being established right from the beginning of the scripture and what our attention is being drawn to and how the Spirit of God had Moses write this is very profound. Because he wants us to reflect on that. Because everything that's about, <laughs> it's about to unfold from Genesis to Revelation all hinges on that very first statement. And unless we understand why God is active at all and what has transpired since that opening verse has everything to do with the fact that the heaven and the earth are his. They are the yeah. first in rank, in order, and in prominence. They belong to him. So when we go to the next verse, which says Elohim, or God created the heaven and the earth, what we see there is the word Elohim, which is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, that's what Elohim means, uh, three or plurality. Uh, bara, bara, B-A-R-A, means created. But the word bara is really interesting because because he says in the beginning, right, Elohim bara, or created. And the word created there means a completed creation, an absolutely completed creation. And so what verse 1 is revealing to us is that in the beginning, or Rashith, God completed the creation. What he did in making the heaven and the earth was a complete and absolute act. It wasn't like we get to verse 2, like many teach, and I'm not going to argue with them. I mean, this is, this is whatever. You know, you, you're, you have a right to believe what you want to believe. But I'm, I'm, I'm taking you through the scripture by the words here. In the beginning is an indication that the heaven and the earth belong to God. And how he describes that he made them is, is very insightful how Moses wrote it. Because he's speaking of a completed creation, an absolutely finished product, and it belongs to him. That's what he's saying in verse 1. I made the heaven, I made the earth, the first fruit of everything that is made belongs to me. Therefore, the heaven and the earth belong to God, and when I made them, I made them complete and absolutely finished. Now, so... What's interesting, too, just a little side note here, is we know the scripture that says, I declare the end from the beginning, right? I declare the yes. end from the beginning. Isn't it interesting when you get to the end of the book of Revelation, which is the end of our Bible, what do we have? We have a new heaven, and we have a new earth, right? Are you right. awake? <laughs> yes. So, yes. so Genesis opens... Which goes along, brother, which, which, yes, go, which goes along with, with uh, the word 
um, beginning, you said it, it's the first, it's, it's the first fruit or uh, first yes. in order or rank, which indicates that there's just there's more than one beginning. There's multiple. Yes. Right, yes, and that's sir. what we see throughout Scripture. Uh, we see multiple beginnings. Yes. Even and, and then you, you reference the Book of Revelation, which speaks of a new beginning, a new heaven, and a new earth. So we see a pattern, a prophetic pattern. Yes, and because God starts with a new, with a with a completed, absolute creation, a heaven and an earth, He ends with a complete creation, right? A new heaven and a new yeah. earth. Just as he began, yeah. so he will end. It is the principle of God. And that is what he is declaring in his word. That what I did was a completed creation. It was absolutely done in verse 1. That's what he's stating from his prophet Moses when Moses wrote this. And that it belonged to me. It was Rashith, beginning. It was the first fruit. It was mine. It belongs to me. So he lays claim Elohim, to the whole of creation. In other words, there are no other gods. There are no others who have right to the heaven or the earth, the universe, or anything that is made. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He is before all things, and by him, the Bible says, all things consist or are held together. He is God. He doesn't go on and try to describe to you, uh, you know, where he came from or, you know, hey, you know, here I am. He just states it. I am that I am Amen. that I am. That's how he reveals himself to Moses. And what he's saying when Moses began to write this in verse 1 is, I made a heaven, I made an earth in the dateless past, and and it was an absolute creation of both realities or both dimensions, a heaven and an earth, and they were mine, the first fruits of my labor. They are mine and they belong to me. I made them completed and absolute, the heaven and the earth. So he wants us to understand that because everything that's about to happen afterwards is a result of of, of the unfolding plan of salvation and recreation, if you will. Not reincarnation, but recreation, or a new creation. So listen to this. So then he, he, he after making that statement that the first fruits belongs to me, in verse 2, he then draws our attention away from heaven. And and he takes us immediately to the earth. He draws our attention to the earth. So we need to pay attention <laughs> what he's about to say. Because he's taking our 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 spiritual understanding and our imagination away from the from the original stated fact of verse one. And then he says, now check this out. To put it in modern English, he's like, now check this out. Let your focus and attention now come to the earth. And this is what he begins to say in verse 2. And what is revealed. Now listen. He says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the earth. So the word there, let's just break this down really quick. So now he draws our attention to the earth and he uses the word was and the earth was. The word was is the word in the Hebrew called haya. <laughs> kind of like that karate chop. Haya. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. <laughs> it's it's, it's haya. 
and in a way it's kind of funny but you know i mean that's kind of what he's about to say i hayad the earth right so no he says and and the earth was so in in verse one he says the earth's a completed creation as and the heavens are completed and they were holy unto me they belong to me then he draws our attention to the earth and he says and the earth was haya or the or and the earth was haya the word haya means to become and the word become means it implies that something is about to happen to the earth or something happened to the earth so he says and the earth was without form in other words the earth became without form he implied that something happened to the earth and the word without form the word form it literally means tohu t-o-h-o-o so the earth was without tohu or without form the word tohu is very interesting because it means a desolation of surface and to lie in waste to become a desert that's literally what he's saying. So what he's saying here is that in verse 1, I made everything, absolutely finished it, created it, was holy, and it was a first fruit unto me. But now I'm going to talk to you as Moses is writing. I'm going to show you something, that the earth, not the heaven notice, but the earth becomes a desert place, a desolation. So he's revealing something. From verse 1 to verse 2, suddenly we go from a heaven and an earth that is a first fruit and holy unto a Lord, unto the Lord, to an earth that has become desolate, wasted, and like a desert. And so he's revealing something to us because he says it became like a desert and it was void. Let's let's look at that. The earth was without form. That is, it became a desolation and a desert, and it was void. That word void is bohu, b o h u. W bohu and that word bohu means an undis- an undistinguishable ruin vacuous and empty <clears throat> so here we have <laughs> what what Moses is saying is intense because like i said he starts verse 1 saying an absolute creative act by Elohim took place it was perfect it was holy the heaven and the earth, it's a first fruit, Rashith. It's a first fruit to God. It belongs to God. He then draws our attention immediately to the story of something that took place on the earth. Notice he doesn't say the heaven and the earth. He says just the earth. And that the earth right. became a desolate, empty, desert-like place. And when you looked at it, it was undistinguishable. It was completely ruined and and, and empty and void. That's literally what it means. So he's revealing conflict or some sort of destructive thing took place. He's wanting us to understand that. If you remember uh, two podcasts ago, we talked about that a little bit, right? We talked about when God said, take this sign to my people. The first thing he said was, take the rod in your hand and cast it to the ground, and it became a serpent. There's that hint here. That's what he's saying, is that the earth, not the heaven, but the earth he draws our attention to, becomes empty, desolate, like a desert. If you looked at it, you couldn't even distinguish it. It was completely ruined and empty. And then he says, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The word darkness has two words that comprise the word darkness. One is koshek, koshek, 
and the other is call check. So the first, those two wor uh, words comprise what we wrote in the English as darkness, but they're so revealing because the word darkness literally means misery and destruction and death. Mm -hmm. And the withholding, Kashak, of light. So check this out. What is he actually saying and what is he revealing? He's revealing that the earth became a desolate desert wilderness, and to look upon it, it was an undistinguishable ruin. It was empty, and it was a result. As a result, it became in a miserable, destroyed condition and and had death on it. And and the light that was once there was withheld or withdrawn. So what he's re revealing by the darkness, and we're headed to the spirit now, remember. What he's revealing by the darkness is that death was unleashed. And what's interesting about that, because that's what the word darkness also includes, is the word death, is this kind of blows out of the water this whole theology that says that sin and death originated with Adam. Right. Because the word, right? Because the darkness or the word darkness has within it the meaning of death and the withdrawing of light. And so he's trying to reveal and convey something to us that is Moses by the Holy Spirit as God dictated it to him when he was on Mount Sinai. He wrote the Torah, right? So he, he, he wrote the first book of, of, of the Torah, which was Genesis. He wrote about this misery and this destruction that came that resulted in death. So this means that death was existing even before Adam and Eve. And we don't have time to get into all that. But death was unleashed. And what's being revealed here by Moses through the Spirit of God is that the, that, that the universe or the material universe where the earth resides, right? Because we reside in the Milky Way and in this big, vast universe, that he draws our attention to the earth, which was a first fruit to God, which belonged to him. Something transpired that plunged it into a desolation so that you couldn't even recognize it from what it once was. It became emptied, implying that there was something there before, and it was plunged into misery and destruction, and death was unleashed upon it, and the withdrawing of its original light took place, so that it now became flooded with darkness. Now listen, are you still with me? <laughs> yes, ma'am. So it says, darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, when we break that down, darkness was upon the face of the deep. We already addressed darkness. The word face means panim. That's the Hebrew word for panim. So this misery, this destruction, this withholding of the light and death came upon the face or the panim. Now, this is interesting because the word panim means presence or it can also mean person. Mm-hmm. And it can also mean faith right. and also means before time. All of this. Now you're saying, brother, where are you getting all this? Well, just go and check it out in the Hebrew. You'll see. Uh, it, all of it. See, the Hebrew language is such a perfect language. And when God chose to use it in in every word is such full meaning. And, and so in one word, it expresses a multitude of meaning. In the English, it kind of does a disservice. 
but thank God for the tools that we have so we can go break down these words and actually see what's being said here. So he says, the earth became a desolate, wasted desert to look upon it. It was undistinguishable and empty, and misery and destruction and death came upon it, and light was withdrawn. And it was now on the face, the withdrawing of the face, or the withdrawing of the light was now on the presence or the person or the face of what was here before. Or even so, you could say the face of the earth, but really that's not what it's talking about. And and, and it's really referencing because that word face or panim can, can mean also seraphim or cherubim. And this kind of hints at Ezekiel 28. Where he, where, where the Lucifer is called the anointed cherub, right? It, it, it seems mm-hmm. to be implying, and this has always been our foe. He's known as darkness, right? In him <laughs> is no light, right? He, he, he's darkness. Uh, it seems to be saying that the origin of all this destruction, the withdrawing of the light, the ruin that came upon the earth, the desolation on the surface occurred as the result of quite possibly a cherubim that was here before, the presence or the person or the face before time. That's literally what it means. And it means that uh, that that the Lord turned from something. He quit looking at it. He quit looking at it. He couldn't look at this face of the earth. He couldn't look at it, and he had to turn away his face from it. So let's read this. So darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the word deep means an abyss or a surging mass of water. This is the first time that we see water mentioned. Up until then, what was once a beautiful surface seems to be indicating that the earth, <laughs> the earth at first, did not have oceans or water. Now you're saying, you've really lost me. Well, just go back and listen slowly. But anyway, think about this. Because if he's declaring the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, when we get to the book of Revelation, suddenly it begins to make sense that the new heaven and the new earth is there. And what else is missing? There is no more sea. Right? You know your Bible. Right. <laughs> right. So it, it seems that the waters came as as a deluge or 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 a judgment from God. Do you remember the third sign that we spoke of that God gave Moses to give to the children of Israel? Remember, He said, "Take the water out of the river and pour it from the heaven upon the upon the dry land," and it became mm-hmm. blood, a type of judgment. We see the same thing here implied. That the earth was originally, it might have had, you know, the river of God on it and all that kind of stuff, but it didn't have an ocean. And and it's interesting to me that when you get to the end of the book of Revelation, you're going to see the same thing. You're going to see a heaven and an earth without an ocean. There's no more sea. But there is a river of God that flows out, praise God, from the throne of God that 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 goes throughout the earth, right? That new heaven and that new earth. And Jesus said, I'm going to lead you to those waters. So what we see is that that the deep here, the darkness upon the face of the deep, is 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 a revelation to us by Moses of how this misery, this destruction, this indistinguishable ruin uh, was judged, and it was judged by a surging mass of water, the deep or the abyss. It covered the planet. 
Now look, now, after all this destruction and misery, and we could we could really camp here and talk about some very deep things, but we're going to go on because we're talking about the moving and the working of the Spirit. Now the Spirit comes to do something. And really, if you dig deeper, what you're actually looking at here on a personal level is the story of salvation in your own life, <laughs> in my Hallelujah. life, right? Right. <laughs> because we're born as a as an innocent child, right? But but sin itself begins to to plunge us a, a, into into this indistinguishable mess. <laughs> right, you know, right, this sinner, right? right? right. This totally messed up dude, man. That's what I was like. I mean, and and in essence, we our bodies are like miniature Earth. You know, we're made out of the substance of the earth. So each life is retelling the whole story of the fall of creation to the recreation mm -hmm. done on Calvary and the resurrection of the Holy Spirit uh, through Jesus' life, resurrecting Jesus from the grave, right? The spirit begins to move. What's interesting is what I was talking to you about is that when darkness comes upon the face of the deep, it's a hint at what happened on Calvary. Because, because... The the word darkness or the word the face, right? When darkness comes upon the face, it's made up of two Hebrew words, panim and pana. And and, and the word pana is really revealing because it, it, it indicates that, that when the darkness came upon the face of the presence or upon the person or upon the cherubim quite possibly before time, that the result of that coming upon the face is pana. It means that God had to turn away from it and remove his presence from it. That's exactly what happened on Calvary. When Jesus became sin, darkness covered the land. Do you remember? And God could not look at his son because he cannot abide sin. He turned his face away from the cross. It was a foreshadow here in verse uh, 2 of what God was going to do on the cross. Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world. It's preaching it, whether you can see it or not, it's there. Right. God had to turn his face away from a destroyed earth. He had to remove his presence from it and turn aside. That's what happened to Jesus on the cross. He took upon himself the wrath of God for all humanity. He replayed the creation story all upon himself. So great is what Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection, that it hearkens all the way back here to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. That's what's being revealed. And that's what Paul was talking about when he said, oh, that you would know what God actually did when he rose Christ from the dead. When Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was literally crying out on behalf of all humanity and behalf of all creation. Because when he became sin for us, when darkness came and covered the face of the earth, that's what happened on Calvary. We're told that, that at noontime, from noon to three o'clock, that darkness covered Jerusalem and covered the earth. Literally, God could not look or he turned his face away from his most precious only begotten son, just as he did the first fruits of the earth, which was his that he made. I don't know if this is if, if this is making uh, you know anything to you, but this is powerful oh, stuff. Now listen. <laughs> now listen. So how did he judge it? He poured water on it. 
it's the first time water is represented, but it's a surging mass of water. It's the deep, right? Darkness came upon the face of the surging mass of water. And then what are we told? Now we see, after all this we've been describing, here he is, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now check this out. When that occurred, now attention is drawn to God's Holy Spirit. And and the word Spirit of God is ruach. What it what he's saying is that is that is that is that God uh, the word ruach means it resembles breath it resembles wind mm-hmm. it also it has two other meanings it's 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 a sensible and a violent exhale that's what he's saying happened the spirit's first mention in the word is in recreation it has both meanings. It has life and anger. And so it is the act and the practice of God's Spirit to not only bring life, but also to bring judgment for rejecting the things that God puts forth. And you know what's interesting about the word Spirit of God here in Genesis? Is that it's also the word in the Hebrew, it can also mean ruach, is that same word that's used for prophetic utterance or prophecy. Right. Mm-hmm. So in essence, what we see happening here is God begins to prophesy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He begins to prophesy. He comes from his dimension now, think about it, and he comes in to the material universe and he begins to prophesy. He begins to yes. hover. He begins to, to, to prophesy, to breathe out, to send a wind, and he begins to move. What that word move means is to hover, to grow soft, to be relaxed, and to brood. And so he brings a judgment, but then begins to bring life. We must die before we can live. And it is a work of the Spirit that brings us to the cross in order to resurrect us. Ah, my goodness. Yes. So listen. Yes. <laughs> so listen. This is what we see happening. The gospel is being preached from the first three or four verses, man. So the Spirit of God moves and begins to exhale. In that wind is also that prophetic utterance of what's going to come in the future in the in, in His dear Son. And and when it says He moved, it literally has an an, an indication of He moved violently. But then when the violence or the judgment of it all was completed, he then begins to subside and to brood and to be at peace over the planet on behalf of or on account of the judgment or the waters, which is the next word. So let's say it this way. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So literally... After he exercises his anger, he begins to relax that anger, and now he's moving on behalf of the waters that have been calmed. It's what he does to our life. He takes your turbulent life. He he takes your messed up life, and, and he brings you to the cross. That's repentance. He has to judge that life, but he shows you Jesus, and he says, I judged my son. I had to turn my face away from him. I had to withdraw my life from him, and I poured on him the judgment of you all. 
And it's there that we identify with his death. And when we do, we be, it's interesting, right? Because true repentance breeds tears. So it's interesting that when we truly repent and we weep, we're actually replaying that, 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 that pouring out of the waters that cleanse the planet. It's a pouring out, if you will. I don't know if you can see that, but that's what it is. And so, and so when we begin to pour out like that, it's as if we're being cleansed and as if the Spirit of God is brooding and relaxing and taking away the judgment from us in Christ and causing us to have life on behalf of that. So the waters both mean danger, but also a transition from danger to refreshment. It's a birth component. It's speaking of the new birth. Now look at, <laughs> now look at verse three. And it says, after he does that, what happens? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. That's what happens when we repent. The spirit of God right. Right? He moves upon us, and then he reveals himself to us. He brings us from that turbulent condition of our life into that restful, peaceful condition, and then reveals Jesus to us, or, or speaks Jesus into our life. But look at what these words mean, how Moses wrote it. After all we've just described, now God says, you have the, you have the Spirit, and now you have the Word, Right? Okay, yes. so God says, and the word said is really cool because after all that we've just described and all that he did, it, the word said, and God said, the word said literally means to call to a point or to give a commandment. Now God is speaking and calling something into being and appointing something to do something. That's what the word means. So when God said, he literally called and appointed and gave a commandment to the light. This is what he said. God said, let there be. Now that phrase, let there be, comes from the word chayah again. Let there be. It means, listen to this. I got to slow down because I'm just too excited. Listen to this. He says, <laughs> he says, after all we've described, now God begins to speak. But notice, it is an act of the Spirit of God that produces the word. That's what we were talking about earlier, is that revelation and understanding in the Word is a moving of the Spirit that produces understanding of the Word, that brings light to the Word. The Spirit must move, and then God speaks. Now listen, so God calls and appoints and commands and says, let there be light. But there's so much in that Word there where he says, let there be, because what he's literally saying is that the word let there be comes from the word hayah, which means to come to pass, or to bring forth, listen to this, to bring forth a beacon and to call a beacon into existence. And that beacon being brought into existence is what? The light. Mm. <laughs> uh, right. So listen, so he says, let there let there come into existence the beacon. So that's literally what he's saying is let there be illumination. The word light means right. or. The word light means illumination. But it's also the same a word that's used for the light of a lamp, the light of life, the light of instruction, and also the same word that's used for Jehovah as the light of Israel. 
So let's just think of all that we just and, said. And, and, and Brother Marty, you're saying some incredible stuff, uh, and I'm trying to want to recap again for the listener. Well, we spoke about uh, uh, a beginning, right, that was complete initially, and something happened on earth because the focus is, is the, the Holy Spirit. Again, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the, the, the revelation that he has given. Because the Holy Spirit wants to take us to the origin of yeah. what took place in the beginning. In order to fully understand Jesus, you have to understand what took place at the very outset of all creation, right? And, and yeah. something happened here on earth. Remember, we spoke about uh, the word beginning being uh, uh, a beginning of order or, or, or rank. So yes. you can say that what we're reading in Genesis 1 and 2, what the Holy Spirit is showing us, the spirit of truth and revelation and wisdom, he is showing us what took place at the very first beginning. Because yes. later on we see that the, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, it is in a transitional way. The earth is very judged. Good a refreshment takes place or a a new birth or a new beginning is about to take place, right? Yes. Where he is going yes. to create man on earth. Now think yes. about that for a moment, what the Holy Spirit is, is revealing unto us. He is revealing unto us two beginnings from the very outset, okay? Yes. And, 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 and from what we read where the word face, it literally means cherub, which means somebody was here on earth pre-man. Prior to man, yeah, right? and and when we read Ezekiel twenty-eight, uh, the the Bible says that uh, Lucifer was in Eden first. Yeah, that's man, correct. Right, that's right. But but we, we we're not we can get into those things a little bit later. But what we're talking about here is the work of the Holy Spirit and what He wants to reveal to us, right? That we yeah. might know the will of God. In order to understand the will of God, you have to go back to the origins. You have to go back to yeah. the beginning, before me and you were ever created. That's where the Holy Spirit wants to take us. That's where the Lord took Moses. <laughs> that's and incredible. That's why he wrote, right? That's why he wrote what he's writing. Think yeah. about that for a moment. So when we see the Holy Spirit move, right, it is to start something fresh and new, right? And we see the same pattern uh, of the Holy Spirit with the uh, with the church in the book of Acts, right? He started something fresh, something new, a new expression, yes. right? And so forth yes. and so on. So I want the listener to pay close attention. This is what the Bible is saying at the very beginning, all right? Yes. There are many things. And this is, and, and, and Brother Marty, we're talking about things that a lot of people don't hear in church because the Bible does speak uh, uh, concerning things that pertain to before the foundation of the world. That's right. right. And that yeah. that's where the Holy Spirit takes us in the yeah. book of Genesis. He takes us to the, the to the distant past before me and you were ever created in order to fully understand the will of God, the mystery of God. You have to understand what took place in the beginning. When you begin to see the unfolding mystery of God throughout the ages where God would reveal his son, and you will begin to see Jesus in a greater light, in a greater magnitude. You will begin to see the very sacrifice of Jesus as something so powerful, yeah, right? something so yeah. great. I remember you made a statement a long time ago, Brother Marty, and I'm sorry to take up all this time, no, but you said you said the cross, 
uh, it says, is dealt with everything, not just our sin, yeah. Yeah. but it dealt with the very rebellion that took place before man was even created. And the cross is still fixing things. It is a complete sacrifice, right? But we yeah. know that uh, uh, the kingdoms of this earth will be his. They're not yet, but he will get them, right? That's what scripture says. Right? They Amen. will be all under him. So it's it's a mop-up job that God is doing right now. Again, the work <laughs> of the Holy Spirit is the subject at hand, right? Yeah. This is one of the things that he does is reveal the unfolding mystery of God from the very beginning until the end. And that's what that Jesus said. Yes, go ahead. You know, just, just to interject, you know, everything that you said, I mean, powerful. Um, remember when Jesus dealt with his disciples, he would tell them, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot <laughs> bear them now, right? You, right. you can't bear right. them. You're right. not ready for them. But when I do send, send down the spirit of truth, there it is. he's the one who will guide you and show you these things, right? And so yeah. that's why it's, well, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, which is the only one who could reveal these things. And, you know, Jesus telling his own disciples, man, there's a lot of things I want to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Holy yeah. Spirit comes, he will guide you to all truth. That's powerful. And and, and that's, all those are such really good points because um, think about it here that, that when we, we're talking about the Holy Spirit now, because that is the agent or the, 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 the yeah. aspect of, that God uses of his personality. He's a distinct person. It is Jesus by which all things were made but it is the spirit who brings them to pass. It's almost like God is the architect and draws up the plans. Jesus is the one who gathers the, the crew, <laughs> so, you know, but it's the spirit that blesses it all. Right. He, he like, he like brings it to life. And that's why Jesus said, man, you can talk about me and you can talk about my father, but you say, or blaspheme the spirit, there ain't no hope for you, you know, right. because he's the one who gives you life. Yeah, and 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 also what you said there, brother, that that uh, about Moses, you know, Moses writing these things. Remember what you said was really cool there, because you said it's Moses who's writing it, and 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 it's God who's telling Moses where to start, right? So he says, start way right. before the beginning, and and yes. that remained, reminded me of how God had hid Moses in the cleft of the rock, right? And he says, I want to see your face. He says, you can't see my face and live, but but I'll pass by you. And those words in the Hebrew literally mean that that's where Moses gets this revelation. God goes by him and lets him see the past, you know, mm. and he begins to write it. That's literally what it means. You'll see my glory, and God passes by him and hides him and then allows him to see the past. And that's how Moses wrote the book of Genesis. He saw that. He saw what we're talking about. And, and and another point you made, which 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 we need to bring out here, is that understand that what is being revealed by Moses through the Spirit of God is that, and what you said is that God has begun the process of a recreative act or a new creation. But notice that the earth wasn't remade at the time; it was only refreshed, it was cleansed, but it's going mm -hmm. to be new in the future. And and yes. so that's why our attention is drawn to how that's going to take place. Because when the Spirit came in verse 2, and he's hovering over these surging mass of judgment, 
he he judges and then he calms it down and brings it into that peaceful state and then he says let there be light in other words he begins to reveal because the earth hasn't been remade it's going to be a new earth but he says this is how we're going to do it we're going to call forth the light who is that light jesus right he yeah. said i am the light of the world and and this is yeah. what we see the spirit of god doing that judgment that came upon that that fallen and really the word panim because i've had people tell me well you know you could use it that way but well yes i can and, the, and but you got to compare scripture with scripture in order to, to to lay the case which is what we're doing here but it can also mean presence it can also mean the presence you know the the, the face of the deep the word face means panim it can mean a presence or a person or a face that was there before time. So even if you don't want to go there with the cherubim thing, I mean, you can go there and say that what God was saying was that there was some sort of a presence that necessitated a destructive act upon the earth that was once holy and pure and his first fruits that belongs to him. And so it's the act of the spirit that begins to, to, to deal with all that and begins to, to, to judge it with the surge and the mass of the waters and begins to calm it down. And then we don't have a new earth yet. We just have a cleansed earth because the new earth is going, cannot be made until Calvary. Right. But so we see, mm -hmm, in yes. verse, right. So we see in verse three, the introduction of Jesus right there, because he says, right. this is how it's going to be done. God says, let there be, be and god said god called to the beacon and brought him forth the illumination that's what he said god said let there be light and 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 that word means a beacon that is brought into existence now then you some people don't misunderstand what i'm saying jesus didn't have a beginning what he means by let there be is that he says come into existence in this dimension come from the eternal, endless, perfect state of heaven into this dimension. A beacon of light and illumination came from somewhere into something. And that's literally Isn't what, that that what Jesus did. Isn't that what Jesus did in his incarnation? He came from yes. our dimension, right? He came yes. from his abode into ours. And, and, and we've been talking oh, my in, in the past series. We we yeah. spoke about uh, in the past series, uh, uh, Passover coronavirus. How in during Passover we see a prophetic um, visual picture or miniature of what took place in the beginning with Judas betraying Jesus Christ. It was a picture of the uh, what, what Satan did, right? What Lucifer did, and when he rebelled against God. But we yeah. see after the crucifixion. After the resurrection, what happens? Jesus breathed on his disciples. Then a new creation begins. The church is born, right? Yeah. Something yeah. takes place. A transition takes place, right? And that's, and that's what we're seeing uh, a picture of at the very beginning in the book of Genesis with the work of the Holy Spirit. He's, we see the same pattern taking place, right? We see betrayal yeah. during Passover, we see the beacon of light, the cross, the resurrection, and then it gives, gives way 
and 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 a the Holy creation. Spirit begins to move to a new creation. Yes. The church, hence the church, is born. Yes. All right. All right. Yes. Now you, you you've accelerated also, three programs ahead, but that's good. That's yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. Also, yeah. also, praise God. Also, we see Isaiah prophesied in in chapter nine, and Matthew brings that about that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying. The land of Zebulun, the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. Praise God. Amen. And, 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 which, and to them which sat in the region of shadow of death, light is sprung up. It's another Amen. manifestation of Jesus coming yes, into is. the natural. Right. Yes. Those who were in darkness saw a great light. And, and probably the and and all those are awesome, man. And 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 they really lend weight to what we're talking about because you're, you're quoting scripture, right? Now, and I think that the greatest type of all is what you were just hinting at, which is is think of this because what we just said here was that was that that a calm had to come over the the original abyss or the surging mass of water that the spirit of God moves upon, right? And so he calms the waters as if to reflect to us that it was done, right? That the earth was now uh, purified, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then he, he, he broods over those purified waters and says, let there be light. This is exactly what happened when the angel Gabriel came and visited the Virgin Mary. Because what he said, when she said, how can this be? I have I don't know anybody, right? I've never known a guy. I'm not defiled. She became a picture, if you will, of that undefiled earth that had been cleansed. She's a virgin. And then what happens? Yeah. The angel tells her what? The Holy Spirit is gonna do what? He's going to overshadow you. That's what we see the Spirit doing in verse two, overshadowing the calm waters, the purified earth. And then he says, let there be light, and that holy thing that shall be born of you, right? He's the light of the world, Good. right? He's Emmanuel. He's Amen. God is born into the physical earth. That's what we see being prophesied here by the Spirit in verse 2 when he says, he calls and he appoints the beacon to come into the cleansed situation and says, let so there be light. The yeah. earth becomes a type of a womb there. Absolutely. Right? That's exactly what I'm saying. And, and, and to give way to the light, right, yes. so that light can come forth, and you liken that to, to Mary giving birth to Jesus. Incredible. Correct. Absolutely. I know that's heavy, man, but that's, that's exactly what No, No, that's, but, that's powerful. Yes. It's, that's what Romans 8 talks about, right? <laughs> we won't go there, but the that's what Romans 8 talks about. The all that's creation, good. right? Yes. It was subjected growing, to vanity. What is it doing? Is it, yeah, but yeah, that's right. And then, but then it's groaning, right? Together yes, in what? Yes. In birth, right? All creation yes. is groaning mm-hmm. together in birth, desiring for the manifestation or the birth of the sons of God. Something far yes. greater is happening here, brothers. And it's a work of the Spirit, right? I mean, it's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit that we that we like to to think we know. We don't know. I mean, it, it, it just because yeah. it makes you have some goosebumps and you run around the church, that ain't the Holy Spirit. I mean, maybe he moved you to do that or emotionally you couldn't handle it, but whatever, or you're just so full of joy. But think about it. That's not the Holy Spirit that we're talking about right now. We're talking about the the super manifestation of Elohim, 
the creator of all things, and that is who dwells in your heart if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And so when yeah, God says, let go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, brother, uh, for, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travailed in pain together until now, until now. And so, and then he talks about the first fruits of the spirit, right? <laughs> but it, anyway, yeah. th- that's where we're at. We're in that process to this new creation, right? That that shall yeah. come about. Brother, that's, that's exactly what is being told us here, what you just quoted. I mean, because you, you went on to quote the first fruits, right? That's what yeah. Rashith means, right? In the beginning yeah. literally means that the heaven and the earth were mine. They belong to me, and I've come to get it back. I came to get the earth back. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. <laughs> that, and, that's, and that is in connection with what we were talking about, Brother Marty, that what we have right now is just a down payment of what's yeah. to come. A deposit. Ah, right? That's right. And it's what, what's, what, it's what we're looking unto, a new heaven. In a newer, yes, and we're right. But we should be looking to, right? <laughs> yeah, correct, correct. Well, most the Christians Peter in this country, beyond, are, right? Yeah, and most country, most Christians in this country, or at least the evangelical right, is looking for a for for a, a Republican victory in November. I'm looking for a kingdom that has no end. I'm looking for Hallelujah. a new heaven and a new earth, man. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, the rightful owner of this planet, to return and to and to take us out of this old mess because that is what our hope that is the hope of our calling, right? And that's what's being Amen. revealed here. I'm I'm gonna Hallelujah. I dealt with this I dealt with this darkness, I've judged it, I calmed it down, and I have Hallelujah. now called forth the beacon out of eternity and brought him into the earth. And, and and that's what it means in verse 4 when it says, and God saw the light, that it was good. Hallelujah. Now check this out. The word saw, it means, it literally means to advise one's self or to look one on another or to look at each other. That's what the word mm. saw means, is that he began to advise him, the light, the pre-incarnate Christ. God was looking at himself, the light. If you've seen me, if you've seen me, he said, you've seen the Father, right? Hallelujah. The light. (laughs) Oh, my God. So he sees the light, and then it says that it was good. That's the word where we get the word tobe, T-O-B-E, or toby. The word toby means to be well-favored, to be well-pleasing. That's what he was saying to the light. You are well-favored and you are well-pleasing. Isn't that what he said when he came up out of the water? Right. Oh, yeah. He said, this is my son. This is the light in whom I'm well-pleased. Oh, my goodness. I I wish we were in a big church right now singing and shouting because that is incredible. That's what Moses is revealing here. What happened when the light, the beacon, the illumination, which is Christ, came at the command of the Father? You see all three of them present right from the beginning as they actively are moving by the Spirit to begin the process of creating something new, something wonderful, and something beautiful. And he had to bring the light into this realm in order to do it. And when he did, he saw it. And when he saw the light, he saw himself. 
he looked right at himself. And Jesus said, what? I am the light of the world, right? That's what the Lord said about himself. I'm that light. And, and, and that it was good. It was well-favored. It is pleasing. That's what God said about his son. He's, he's, he's my favorite son. He's well-pleasing to me. And then it says, and God saw the light, that it was good. And look what he does here. And God divided or, or, or divided the light from the darkness. In other words, God, badal, that's the Hebrew word, badal. He makes a distinction and separates the light from the misery and the destruction from the devil. He makes a distinction between the two. And, and now they're both existing in this plane. Ah, my goodness, we don't have all day, do we? Uh, now, now, listen, in verse 5, let's just hurry. He says, and God called the light day. <laughs> it's just incredible because this is the gospel. So now the light's here. God's looking at himself. He's looking at his son. He says he's well-favored. He's a beacon. He's an illumination, and I'm well-pleased. That's the light. He's good. And now he starts preaching to it, or to him, because it says God called the light day. You know that word for called, God calling something? It means to. he begins to call to the light. He begins to address the light by name. He gives the light a name, and he begins to preach and make a proclamation over the light. That's, that's all wrapped up in the word called. He starts yeah. preaching to the light. He calls it a name. He makes a proclamation over it. And he says, he calls the light what? Day. Oh, this is, I don't know if anyone out there can handle this, what I'm about to say, but this is what it uh-huh. means. When he called the light day, when he preached to it, because you look it up, that's what the word called means, to call out, to address by name, to give something a name, to preach or to make a proclamation. That's what Elohim was doing to the light. And then he calls it something. He's preaching at it. He calls it day. That's the Hebrew word yom, and it's used mm-hmm. primarily almost 98% of the time as an adverb. It's, it's, a, it's an adverbial term, and literally it means this. It means to continue, to remain, and in some temporary references, check this out, it means to be yesterday, today, and tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes. and, and, but but this, is the, this is the clincher. It means to be born or birth and it means that you are now two. Oh my gosh now listen this is literally what he's saying so god called he begins to preach to the light address it by name give it a name make a proclamation over it you are now two and you're going to continue and remain. You are yesterday, today, and forever, really, tomorrow, the future. Ah, uh, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what he's saying. That's what, he, that's what, that's what Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1 says, right? Yes. Being made so much better than the angels, as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Excellent name. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. So this is God preaching to his son. To his son. That's right. Right? And we see God Thou art my to... son. Yes. Yeah. And it's the he, same thing it, he's doing to to the day. He says, to the light. He says this day. This is the word he uses. This day have I wow. begotten thee. Yeah, yeah. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. 
the question is posed, yeah. right? Yeah. And so forth and so on. So so we do see uh, the writer of Hebrews gives us insight in how God speaks to his son. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. what we see in Genesis chapter 1. Yes, now check yes. yes, that's exactly right. Now look at this, because so, that's all ex- exactly what we're saying. That's what Moses is saying, that God did to the light. He begins to name it. But now you guys, you go look this up, you guys out there listening, and you'll see. We're not just making something up here. When he says, when he preaches to the light and calls it day, because that's what the word call means. It means all this. It means to call out something. It means to address something by name. It means to give it a name. It means to preach at it. It means to proclaim something over it. Over what? Over the light. And we've just been discussing the light is Jesus. This is this is Jesus right. he's addressing. And when the light comes forth, remember we pointed out that the word literally means that God looked at the light and was as if he was seeing himself face to face. He was seeing Jesus. You know, this is a pre-incarnate Jesus. And he begins to preach to that light. He begins to give it a name. He begins to proclaim stuff over it, and he calls it the light day. And and that word yom, which is the Hebrew word for day, if you go look at all the words and realize it's used as an adverb, it means that one now becomes two. <laughs> Amen. That is the that is the intent that God. That Christ, that, what does it say? That God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. That that they were so indivisible, but the act of recreating or bringing about a new heaven and a new earth would require that God would separate himself and become two. He became Christ Jesus. That's what he said. He's preaching that to him. I'm going to give you a name. I'm, he's preaching at him. And you're going to be born, and you're going to continue forever, and you're going to be the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We are now two. Oh, my goodness. But look what he does. (laughs) Now, look what he does. He turns to the darkness, and he preaches at it. He calls, which means to address by name, to proclaim something, to preach at it. He preaches to the darkness, and he calls it night. He says, this is what you are. And the word night is two words. It's leil and lul. Leil and lul. Both of them make up the word night. And literally, so he turns to the darkness, and he calls it. He preaches at it. That is God by his spirit. The word leil means uh, adversary. It means midnight. And it means to twist away the light. In other words, to take and remove any vestige of light that's remaining in the darkness, you become midnight. You're very symbolic because <laughs> at midnight, everything's going to change, right? But he's saying, you're midnight. And he also said the word lul, it means to turn back like a spiral staircase, to bring from the top to the bottom like a st- spiral staircase. That's exactly what he did to him. He cast him out. He cut him down to the ground, and he separates the two, and and so the battle begins between light and dark. And it will culminate on a hill called Calvary. It'll culminate 
on the third day when God rises from the dead. And he says, and he says, the evening and the morning are the first day. We return, right? So he says, it's going to, it's, it's going to start in darkness, but it's going to end in the morning. And that'll be the first day when the sun comes up. Hallelujah. We're looking for that day. We're looking for the rising of the Lord on that day. And he did become the first day. Peter calls him the day star, right? Until the day star rise in your heart, right? That's what he said. I mean, Scripture begins to just open up in such a magnificent way when you realize only God can talk like this, man. And in five verses, in five verses, he preached everything. He preached everything in five verses. Jesus is the light of the world. Let's close with this. And there's so much more I wanted to share, but we, I think everybody's head's spinning by now. But but Jesus is the light of the world. And and look at what John said. Now read John chapter 1. Would you, Brother Jeremy, read John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4 to us. With everything that yes. we've said, now read it. In the beginning was the Word, and the yes. Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In verse 9. Read verse 9. That was the true light which lighted every man that cometh into the world. Hallelujah. Jesus is the light of, Jesus is the, yes. light of the world. And the Holy Spirit yes. is the one who always, always, that's why he said the Spirit bears witness of me. And he did it yes. all the way back in the beginning. And that's what Moses was preaching to us at such a deep level that we're only now beginning to understand these things. And listen, What's next? A revelation of Jesus Christ in the church, like we've never known, with the ability to declare it and proclaim it, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The light is coming. The light is coming. Praise God. Can you, brother, close it out and whatever thoughts you have? Yes. Yeah, I was reminded of uh, Ephesians chapter 1, where it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give Unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ the light when he raised him from the dead and set him yeah. on his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Praise God. A new, that new earth, right? And had yeah. put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, this new creation which is yeah. his body, the fullness of him that filleth 
all in all. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. What a what a Bible study today. Studying the gospel from the beginning of Genesis, right? The first five verses. Powerful revelation of God declaring the end from the beginning. And uh, we just want to thank you, all our listeners. Thank you for being with us today. And we pray that you have been blessed. And and again, go over this uh, podcast after you listen to it. And, and I know more and more God will reveal more and more to to you. But it's been a blessing to be with you. And I pray that you continue to join us, to spread the word, and tell others, and, and join us. And let us commune together in these days. We are in our homes, most of us. Uh, at least those that don't that are not working we're in our homes and this is a perfect time to have communion in the word of god and we pray that you join us tomorrow and may god bless you and keep looking up